Have you ever gone on a trip? You had the desire, made all the necessary plans, and set off and landed, but what about the in-between? What takes place while you're in the waiting? Chapter 4, titled, Be Open. So, I don't know about you guys, but what if it doesn't happen the way you would imagine it would? I know sometimes we have with the data, if you will, in our mind of what we know, what we foresee, what we can imagine could happen. But what if it doesn't happen the way you foresee or think it should? You know, going back to that dream that I was telling you about in a previous chapter, how I allowed myself to become embittered with regards to trying to wait for my Boaz, quote unquote, I wanted to get married by 21 years old. And then when 21 came and went, I said, okay, well, I want to get married by 25. And I kind of put that in there maybe because it was like right in the middle between 20 and 30. And here I am now in my early 30s. And I don't know the exact date in which that will happen for me, where that next chapter will start for me. But do you want to know what I have? I have an actual relationship with Jesus. We talk. And I can tell you I'm not who I was at 21, at 25, and praise God for that. Some of you guys know that closely or a little more far away, but he's taught me along the way and just has continued to teach me and truly provide in so many ways. So while I am waiting for Boaz to come from Jerusalem, quote unquote, I want to be like Ruth in this instance. Um, You know, let's give this example of if you are in the in-between with regards to, you know, wanting to get married and you're currently single. If you are Boaz, Boaz was a man who, you know, oversaw people and he had... um, provided the opportunity for people to work and you know are you I'm not saying are you a boss and you have like a millionaire planned for your life but are you doing something are you working are you working hard are you um being a man that has a good name because that's what Boaz has and it's not to say that we are perfect and might not have things in our past that we look back and think, oh, that wasn't a good time in my life. Because I know myself, there are areas in my life where I thought, Adriana, A, I wish you knew better. And B, I'm just so thankful that God did better. And he is a redeemer on that note. But are you working? Are you providing? Are you doing something in the in-between? Or are you just being idle and just saying that you're going to wait and just leave it up to that. Um, I think about Ruth, who was gleaning in the fields. And I know um, I did with um, a bunch of women and myself who were studying the book of Ruth. And it was so encouraging to hear Ruth and just um, gleaning, quote unquote, from the scriptures and seeing her strength, seeing her desire to honor her mother-in-law, also seeing that she was a hard worker And in some ways, she was bold um, with the direction that her mother-in-law was giving her. 
But in this area and in the in-between, what are you doing between the beginning and the end? Are you doing your part? Um, I know maybe Ruth thought that her life would maybe turn out in a different way. Like, can, on you, can you honestly imagine if you just can close your eyes or just quiet your mind for a second and put yourself in her shoes? If you're a guy or a gal, just put yourself in her shoes. You grow up in a pagan country. You see maybe violence around you. You get married. For years, you don't have a child. You know your husband has what to you would be a foreign god. He dies. At some point, your father-in-law and your brother-in-law dies. And you're left with the decision to either go back with your mother-in-law so she can go back to her, her you know country that she originally came from and left... Or stay with your sister-in-law or go back to your own family. You're a widow. You know, culture at the time, it's a difficult situation. And so you're kind of put in a rock and a hard place and you decide to go. And then you start working hard. Honestly, for a second, you think, what has my life been reduced to or what has it come to? I mean, usually when people get married, and I don't know if it's our perception of life and wanting like that Hallmark movie or what's best of course just naturally humanly we'd want that but you get married you have a couple kids you your kids get older you settle down and you might have some difficulties here and there like maybe finances will be just a little bit less than what it normally would be but it'd be comfortable maybe you deal with a cold here and there but Ruth as we know from this story it was difficult it would seem so what would you do do you think those moments while she chose to have the same god as her mother-in-law and where she would go she would also go what about that imagine walking back with your mother-in-law she's not even talking to you When you are alone with your thoughts, what do you dwell on? I know we covered that in a previous chapter, and this chapter is on being open. But I know also in another chapter we talked about, not to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask. Are you open to the possibility that you might not have all the answers, and so while you might surmise or solution what should be next, Are you open to the possibility that what God has better, like that jacket, those pairs of shoes, could be better than what you had in mind? That God who knows the intimate, intricate parts of yourself and your being knows what's best. Are you open to the possibility that it could be what you didn't think it would be? You know, I don't know about you, but there was one area of my life that I kind of settled in, in some ways. And while it was great and a blessing, now I'm like, why didn't I just ask? Why didn't I just ask? Because I was afraid God would say, I already said no, why are you asking again? And it's not to question God's lordship in my life, but just honestly looking back, I'm like, why didn't I just ask? 
I'm going through the study of Jonah and I've been going through the devotional with a friend of mine for the last few weeks and I've really, really realized God's mercy. God's mercy is so great. I've been learning, you know, obviously we know that story just really quickly. God calls Jonah, who I believe is a prophet, and calls him to go out to the land of Nineveh and tells them that God is going to destroy their city um, because of their sin, from what I understand. And in short, Jonah flees. He gets on a boat. There's a big storm and the people essentially cast lots and they say, you know, hey, you're the shorthand. What's going on? And Jonah's like, well, I'm running from God. So they throw him over the boat. He gets swallowed by a fish and he's in there for three days. Jonah eventually comes to his senses, repents, and the fish casts him back onto the shore. And God tells him again, go to Nineveh and tell them. So he goes and Nineveh proclaims a fast. The king does. Everybody fasts from the people, highest to lowest, even the animals. And God extends his mercy. But in reading the story, I never realized. I I didn't realize that Nineveh needed the same mercy that Jonah needed when Jonah disobeyed God. And in this chapter of being open, what came to mind was Peter who denied Jesus at an hour where you'd humanly think Jesus really needed his friends. I don't know about you guys, but you know, there's those moments of graduation or, um, you know, ceremony. I know my sister just completed, well, not just, but a few months back, she had her ceremony for her doctorate degree in physical therapy, which is, um, I'm very proud of her. And um, in those moments when you're, you know, crossing that stage and you're getting your diploma naturally and I think inherently, even if you're at like at a concert, I remember when I was little and I'd have like my clarinet concert. I do not play the clarinet since because I just don't like it at all. But if I was playing the the idea of knowing someone was there to support me, it was just encouraging. So going back to this, Peter, who denied Jesus at the hour, can you... Can you imagine? The reason why this chapter is called Be Open is because it, I think, extends to a wide variety of areas in our life. Could it be possible that you need to be open to the idea that God is still not done working in your life in the in-between? Sometimes when we go to school, we want to finish homework, get it done as soon as possible to get on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But could it be that sometimes in those moments of studying and trying to take a test, we haven't passed it yet? I know there was one specific area of my life that it took years, years to learn it. There were false narratives and false things that I had, accept, I had accepted in my life. And it took a while for God to just unravel ever, everything. And all the while, I'm making all of these decisions. I'm having all this perception of what I think should be. Because I think based off of what I know, based off of what I see, this is what it should be. And in reality, I'm like, oh my goodness. No, like... One example that I can give you um, that's not onto this one is 
at work, um, I'm just a person that like, I'm like, let's get her done. I, I like to be challenged. I love like the slow and steady, but I like problem solving. I like on my desk, I have a word search and people might be like, I don't do that in my spare time. I'm like, hi, I do. I literally sometimes carry it with me. I take it on trips. I just enjoy finding like the words and all of the mess, if you will. And I had an idea of what I thought I wanted to happen at work. And I had tried in so many ways and it just, without getting into too many details, um, it just didn't work out. And it was frustrating at times because I just wanted to do more. I wanted to be challenged. I, you know, had gotten a place where the most challenging thing for that role was no longer challenging and it hadn't been challenging for a very long time. And while I was getting frustrated because various things were going on, I thought, well, true, like surely this should be the solution. You know, maybe it's another project. Maybe it's this. And I would try and I would do my part and it just kept getting shut down or redirected or diverted. And then in the end, The wild part is today's Thursday, which might seem like any ordinary day, but two days ago, a year ago, was when I actually came back from vacation and a job opportunity presented itself. And I'm now 10 months into the role and I am loving it. It's been a blessing. Had you asked me however long ago, I probably wouldn't have ever thought it would have happened. I wouldn't have ever asked for this specific thing. But the reason why I'm sharing this is because God knows. God knows the future. He knows the desires. He knows any frustration, any anything that we are going on. You know, those, again, those shoes, that jacket, those details, God knows. And sometimes because, again, we have an idea of what we think something should look like based off of all of the data that we have gathered, what we have seen, and what we think is possible, That's the solution, what we surmise. But in reality, God knows so much better. So my question to you, is Jesus enough even when you don't have the very thing that you so desire the most? What if it's not how you pictured it? What if it's better? You just don't realize it yet. In the garden, Jesus prayed before the Father, Take this cup from me, but nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I've heard this said many times. And honestly, when you're praying this at times, I will speak for myself. I won't speak for anybody else but myself. Sometimes I would feel like I'm getting the short end. Or in that moment, you have to let go of yourself and surrender, which is not as easy as it would seem. But... It's almost like you're missing out or you're losing. But I just want to encourage you to say what Priscilla Schreier once said. God, just like Jesus prayed in the garden, but our perspective is shifted. So we're going to be open, but this is what Priscilla Schreier says. God, this is what I want. And then she'll state her case. And then she'll finish and say, but if it's not this, Do better. You see, God is good and God does good things. 
So what if his good is better than yours? In my life, I thought I wanted certain things. And it was because of my perception of what I thought was possible. But I'm realizing that I need to be open. Because God's plans for my life are truly better. And I've seen his hand. I've seen him working and moving and also changing me at the same time, which I am eternally grateful for. So, as frustrating as it can be in the moment, I know with that job, I was frustrated at times when I'd want to do something and it just wouldn't happen. And looking back, I can see now how God allowed certain people to make certain decisions, but in the end, he made it for the good because I'm walking in a blessing, such a big blessing. And God is good. There's just no other way of saying that. So, do you want something because you don't see anything else tangibly in front of you? I want to encourage you to not settle for something just because it's the only thing you can hold on to. Sometimes I think it's like letting go of a balloon and you're like, well, if I let go of this one, it's going to float away, so I might as well just hold on to it or just quickly let go of this and grab onto something else because... There's nothing else in front and you feel like you're missing out without a balloon because everybody else seems to have a balloon. But just because the only conclusion you yourself can put together doesn't mean there's not something else better. So I just want to encourage you to be open.